What's the noise you're going to make when you're recording? You got to make one. I just started. What? I just started. We I never make started. a noise. I, I don't have any like started. director whoop. uh whoop. director board thing. What's up everybody? What are those hey, oh, What are those called? Uh uh We're Big Chungus podcast. Clip? A, a clip board? I don't know. We're trying something different here. We're going to start um doing little bonus episodes where we talk about non-Nick Cave things. So if over the course of the past few months you've fallen in love with us, like I'm sure you have, great. Listen to us talk about other stuff. Hopefully it's just Nick Kurt Cave Dangler. fans. <laughs> Hopefully Nick Cave fans like the same stuff we do and we have a lot in common. If not, skip out on these episodes and you know we'll be back on our normal uh, Mondays with the Nick Cave episodes. It's not that hard to listen did you, to us. Do you say Dirk? Do you say Dirk Daigler like uh, Boogie Nights? Uh, I said Kurt Diggler, like the Instagram follower we have. The, oh, the shout podcast. out Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's I, always posting. I had like, something I was thinking spi- about spicy memes. today. <laughs> I wanted to ask you something, Jake. Uh, I've been just in a better mood this week. I think with Trump losing, not that it fixes everything, but it's one good piece of news this year. And I've been listening to a lot more music, just been happier. And I've been listening to Rancid a lot because that's just like kind of like a comfort food thing for me to sing along and, you know, have a blast. But I'm wondering for you, like Nick Cave's probably one of the least catchy things I listen to, and he's still pretty catchy, you know? Yeah. You don't listen to a lot of like sing-alongy kind of music so like when you're in that mood to like just build it out along with something what do you usually listen to blood orange and frank ocean um radiohead this is jubilee street after hours you hear that cracking open a can you hear that cracking open of a can you know it's a cold topo or perhaps a uh lacroix hibiscus Ooh, I don't fuck with the hibiscus flavor. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, or maybe you aren't in that mood often. That's fine too. I was just wondering, like, do you often listen to music like with like because you want to like sing along and like, uh, you know, I, I sing along kind of what I can to JPEG Mafia usually, but there's a lot of n words in there, so I can't. That's so not catchy. I can't really like. Uh, sing along to his music. That is such much. a Jake Curtis answer. JPEG Mafia is so not catchy and not easy to sing along to. I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I don't know. My like general taste in music has just kind of shifted to less lyrical than it used to. Uh, yeah, well, I knew that. That's why I was just wondering if you ever have those moments. But if, you know, it doesn't happen often, it doesn't happen often. I I have found that if I stay out late at a friend's house and I'm driving back home, I'll probably either put on some, like, um, you know, a little bit of, like, ambient music or, like, kind of ambient beat stuff or uh, I'll put on something like yeah, Blood Orange what or I was Frank Ocean. About. I was... I was- that's the no, that's what what I'm, say, like. I'm saying. I'm really trying to think of like what I listen to that's catchy at all. Uh, 
I don't think there's much, <laughs> not anymore for sure. I mean, I have fun singing like shitty 90s songs sometimes like with like my family or like while I'm like cleaning or like walking around the house or something. But yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. I'm just not a, a typical wild and crazy guy. Uh, so everybody, Jake got new glasses. You guys can't see, but it's got some clear rims. It's looking fresh. You know, I don't mean to th- throw shade at our fans, but if you if you all would just give us some money, we could start filming these, and like you could actually see what we look like. Or well, you wouldn't be able to see Ian because he's wearing his mask right now, but you'd know that he's wearing a mask in his as, hazmat suit. As you all should be. I feel like there's a conspiracy. Oh, this is a conspiracy co- podcast now. Uh, I feel like there's a conspiracy where Ian doesn't want us to do video podcasts because he doesn't want to have to wear the hazmat suit all the time. It must be pretty... I'm wondering if it's pretty hot. I'm wearing it right now. uh, It looks like I'm getting a question. looks like I'm getting a question. One of the fans... It's... uh, Blixa Balls Guild 669 said, uh, Ian, love the hazmat suit. Uh, What is... What is your favorite color? And also, how hot is it in there? LOL. Thank you, Blix of Ball. Yeah, that sounds 69. like a real question. I saw that you shared um, that they're doing that like watch-along thing to murder ballads. That would be pretty cool. I guess it's cool to yeah. see that like Nick Cave's still on good terms with all them, that they're still friendly. I figured they were, they were, but... I don't get the impression that anyone in that band... And this is me being still relatively a new fan in comparison to a lot of the like hardcore listeners out there, but I don't really feel like that band seems like there's much bad blood. Though I I did read in one of the emails we got that they've hated the goth fans at his show. Was that you that said that? No, I don't think so. I read something online where he like hated that goths would come to his show and he would like make fun of their makeup and stuff like that. Um, he's just he's so split between eras where I felt like it used it's like not cool to do stuff like that now. Like it just seems like why be such a bully? But then it was like funny, mm-hmm. and I think to me it's still pretty funny now because goths are obviously like, I mean, typo negative and you know whatever like other music you throw under goth, the goth like subgenre genre. Um, I don't know. I thought it's that just was not in funny fat, like if you think about like stand-up comedy, like yeah, it used to be really in fashion to be really antagonistic to the audience. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of fallen out of favor. I think in like all entertainment, it's kind of fallen out of favor to like be a dick to the audience right now. It'll probably come back. I think you can do crowd work, but it's it's usually like a live thing. Like I don't feel like there's a lot of like recorded comedy, which is mostly like interview style, like comedy podcasts now that are it's just not popular to be rude to your fans anymore, even though like I've seen like there were like there was recent footage in that comedy store documentary, which uh, listeners, if you have a Showtime subscription or if you just want to get one to watch that sh- that comedy store documentary. I highly recommend it. It was really entertaining. A lot of comedians came out. Like Michael Keaton started there. 
And I guess he used to do lots of stand-up, and then as soon as he got his first movie, he just like skyrocketed, and then he was Batman. And, and so they talk about how like how crazy it was that Michael Keaton was just like, do he had? And let me tell you, that guy had some good jokes. Like he had some great premises. I didn't know he stuff, was a comedian. Like, he well, I mean, also how great would it have been if they made a Watchmen movie in the fucking 90s where he played the comedian that would have been so cool he would have been the perfect role for that because he he was like right at that point where he could have looked like buff enough to play the comedian but um there's a lot of interesting stuff in there anyway there is some relatively recent footage in that documentary where they're doing crowd work and kind of making fun of people and you know like making fun of some guy who's there with his boyfriend and you know or not with with his girlfriend i'm sorry but um one of the things i wanted to kind of go on going off that new going to start a new tangent here is one of the things I wanted to go off is you said that you're having a good week kind of doing like a sing along, um, you know, just jamming out, like kind of blissed out. Would you say? A little bit. Yeah. So a lot of people are working from home now and this year is the first year. And, you know, a lot of people had work from home jobs before the pandemic. So they're like, I think they're just more common now. But I work from home. I have a job working for like a, like a finance, like business, like mortgage company. And I don't mind it. It's it's all right work. It's better than working at Whole Foods. Um, but I found that like there's something kind of trippy about being in one place all the time. And I think like... Especially, I don't know what it's like where you are or where all the listeners are, but there's a lot of places that are going into stricter quarantine going into the winter. And San Diego specifically is in like purple tier, which means they've like re-shut down businesses, no more indoor dining. Mm -hmm. Um, Gyms have to go to all exterior like training and working out. No, you can't do any more interior stuff, which let's be real. Like I saw people going to the fucking gym over the summer and I'm just like, fuck, like fuck off. Fuck you. Like work out at home. If you can afford a gym membership, save that, save the three months of fucking rent or, or not rent, but membership fees and go buy a fucking weight set. Like, I, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff that's sold out, but you can do body weight workouts. It just, it's just, there's just such a selfishness to America like in Americans and like, I, I get it. Like when I was traveling a couple of weeks ago and visiting friends in Louisville, like I felt that, like I was like, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't be doing this. And I probably wouldn't have been had I not had to help my mom move across the country to San Diego to her new little tiny house she's living in. And she settled in pretty nicely. And I don't know, like I, this is kind of a new thing. So I, I don't want to ramble off too far without letting Ian chime in, but I just feel like I felt this like I think there's a lot of there's some other stuff going on that I don't really want to get into too much. But I I just feel like I don't know if there's anyone out there that's feeling this way. But if you feel like when you like if you're working from home or you're not seeing a lot of people like I've started to kind of feel the impact of that. And it's really tough. It's really tough because I can talk and like message with people on Instagram and text my friends and you know, I've done a lot of writing and stuff this week. That's been pretty productive, but my heart goes out to you because I've been going pretty stir crazy and my anxiety has been really bad. And, um, and, you know, I heard a great joke. Um, 
in that same comedy store documentary about like how anxiety is like a white people problem, which I know is not the case. Everybody has anxiety, but uh, watch the documentary and you can see the joke. I think it's pretty apt. But um, whew, yeah, kind of word slurried there. But uh, otherwise, I've had a pretty good week. I've been reading that uh, Jack Kerouac book, Big Sur. I'm almost finished with that. I've been listening to that Barty Strange album a lot which Ian has been loving. What, what the thoughts thoughts on that, Ian? Well, if I can go, I want to circle back a little bit. You know, I have been flourishing in this because I'm a, I'm a homebody, I'm introverted. This shit doesn't bother me at all. Like the most anxious I feel like I have ever felt is like being on tour and like doing like when I'm doing that kind of thing. So my heart goes out to everyone who is feeling stir crazy, but sadly I cannot really relate. Well, you were always like, you've always been kind of a homebody, like introvert. So that makes sense. And I mean, Haley misses her friends a lot, but I think that she thrives a lot in these kind of environments too. Like she's been working from home for almost two years. Yeah, there's. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things I miss, but, uh, I don't like how the world is right now by any means, but I just mean compared to some people, I think I'm doing pretty great. I wish I could go to shows and feel comfortable seeing more people and not having to hang out with everybody outside. But, you know, I haven't felt the stir craziness that I think a lot of people have. I think there's just kind of this overarching sense with this new job I have. It's very competitive and, they, I, I like, I've noticed over time, like people that I used to like chat with while I was at work, like, you know, working on files and stuff, they're just gone. Like their names are gone out of the system and they're, they haven't been relocated or relabeled. So they're just not employed with the company anymore. And I'm just like, wow. Like, I mean, they, they weren't very good at their job. Or you job. were chatting with bots. Could have been chatting with bots. There was this one guy, uh, Chechnya, 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 uh, <laughs> another guy uh well, well i can't really say his name but it was you know it was putin loves blank and i'll let you fill in the blank but um chatting with guy, bots would be a really good song title chatting with bots that's that's maybe that's what we should call this uh this episode chatting with, chatting bots. with bots i've been listening to this uh podcast i mean for a while like ever since it started but the press box it's on the ringer and it just kind of covers like media like it's kind of like a meta podcast like how the media covers different things uh so like they're talking about how the news talks about other stuff yeah. and um sometimes i do interviews though and they did uh, an interview with some book critic for the new york times and he's putting out ah. a book of uh just kind of like a book of quotes like from, you know, I guess he said as he reads books, he'll just kind of like highlight the quotes he really likes and then later on compile them. And he's been doing it for years and years. So he's just putting out a book of like all his favorite quotes on different subjects. And I was like, that's a really good idea because when I'm writing, sometimes if I'm stuck on a topic, it'd be nice if I just had this like giant spreadsheet of quotes from books and I could just be like, I could search in the spreadsheet like food 
and then be like, oh, here's all these quotes I like about food. So I've been trying to do that, and I've been reading this Murakami book, uh, Dance, Dance, Dance. I've been on a Murakami binge. And um, he had this one quote that I wrote down, and it was just, I looked up in the sky, and I thought about sex. And I think that's the most Murakami sentence I've ever heard. Oh, man, he's always thinking about sex. It just so, I mean, I know most people listening probably haven't read him before, but that uh, if you wanted to know about him, that sentence sums it up. You had written something recently where you had the sentence, uh, a ham and cheese pizza of a woman. <laughs> and it just reminded me of that. We're just like so funny. I looked up in the sky and thought about sex. I think if if the listeners knew the woman I was referring to, they'd probably uh, it'd probably be way funnier to them because if you knew her, she was. I mean, the beat that's a funny sentence. You don't even yeah. have to know the context. Just the ham and cheese pizza of a woman. Yeah. Uh, I, I what was the podcast called? Press box. The press box. Yeah. The press box podcast. Okay. I wrote it down to check it out. Um. I often keep a website up when I'm going to do my writing. That's just like 365 days worth of writing prompts. And I'll look at a prompt if I'm not feeling like in the zone. And I use that. But I think that the stuff that usually gets me jazzed to write is when I read a good book or a good comic or graphic novel. Um And there's like some concept that gets introduced that's like really interesting to me and kind of like reinvigorates my interest in writing and stuff like that um so that that's that's well, a you really know for cool me idea like the spreadsheet idea yeah because i feel like usually let's say i read i was reading your short story that that quote came from mm-hmm. a month after i read it i probably wouldn't remember that line i would remember like the basic plot yeah but i wouldn't remember a funny line like that. So it'd be nice to write those down because I'm never going to remember. That's just not the stuff that sticks with me. Like the plot sticks with me, not like a really funny observation, but it'd be nice to like have those. If I ever want to like reference another author in something I'm writing. It's really interesting. Yeah. Which just piggybacking off of that. I know when we started this podcast, we were both kind of, promoting our own music and i feel like both of us have kind of not been working on music that much lately i've put a lot of thought into this you know i came from a parallel earth in the beginning of covid and had these uh, aspirations of building back my music career like i had it on the parallel earth i don't know if i want that anymore i don't know with everything that's that's happened this year in the world, especially with Black Lives Matter, if like the world needs another white punk dude singing songs about the police, like it feels very echo chambery, doesn't really feel like it's helping. And I don't say that out of any white guilt or anything at all. I don't think that's a good way to feel either, but it just doesn't like seem exciting to me. So I've been I've been writing a lot lately and I think I'm going to like really into this next year try to focus on getting some stuff published. I've thought a lot about that uh what you just said and I think that 
in the long run, you're going to be doing more harm to yourself than you would be like taking up any space in like a music space in, in, in the music scene, because if you love doing something, you should do it. And I think it just so happened that I've done a lot of writing this year, like just in my, my journal entries and my nightly writing that I do that like, I, I think you like, like it, inhabiting earth, like the space, like a, like a space of the earth as an artist is really hard when you are, or not hard necessarily, but it's conflicting when you're a, a white straight guy who is somewhat, if not mostly aware of the way the world works towards black and brown people and gay people and, you know, at all. And well, let me, let me, let me, let me rephrase it a little bit. Like what I mean, I I feel like I have nothing to say in the context of if I'm making music, it's probably going to be punk music because that's what I love. I don't know if I have anything to say in the context of that genre that hasn't already been said. And I think there's a lot of people who do have things to say that hasn't, that haven't already been said in that genre. But I do feel like, like writing just seems more exciting to me right now. I do feel like I have things to say, writing short stories and maybe one day a novel that hasn't been done before or that I don't know if it's been done before. That's how I feel too. I I think that my music shifted pretty significantly and it happened to coincide with the pandemic and Black Lives Matter happening where I, I did a real, real like internal evaluation. And I think that my whole thing with music recently was I had to prove to myself that I could make the type of shit that I'm listening to now. And I exceeded Mm -hmm. my expectations. I put out two EPs and I, I, like I did what I set out to do with Gabriel Ha, like, I created a different person. I created a whole new music identity and I just made a bunch of shit that was uncompromising. And some of it was really bad. Like I was going back through and listening to it, but, uh, and for anyone that wants to listen, you can go to gabrielha.bandcamp.com. I have some releases there. I have it on my SoundCloud. I have some, all, all my official releases are on Spotify and Apple music and all the major streaming platforms. But like I have this one song called Don't Take My Love Away where I like interspliced all these samples with like drums that I programmed and some synthesizers. And I was listening to it last night and it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever created. And I think that I sort of started to realize that I was like, oh, wow, like, I can get, I can always get better at this, but I think that I, I, I've got to be honest, like I'm at this current job right now and I'm like, there's going to come a time where I'm going to be over this and I'm going to fucking hate this because it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's heartless, soulless work. I work with really nice people and I think everybody's nice, but I think that the job itself is so fucking empty and I think that might be where my core sort of like 
internal crisis has been coming from this week is I'm just, I'm never going to be happy doing this kind of work. And I didn't expect to, but I'm getting back into writing because it's what I'm meant to do. And I'm meant to do music too, but I have something genuinely honest and good to share with the world that I can do through my writing that I just couldn't do through music. And I also think that yeah, I could realization do it through the music. I've, but... I've had... Because I don't think either of us have ever created something um, with the purpose of making money. But, like, the ultimate dream, I think, of anyone who's creative is to be able to, like, not have to work a regular job and spend their time creating things. Like, you'd be lying if you said that wasn't a factor at all and you're thinking i don't know if you've been keeping up with like spotify this year but like it's getting worse and worse for artists as far as like what they make oh it's horrible spotify launched this spotify launched this new program where if you want you can make even less money than you already do per stream which is like but you get you know, more one six of a cent. plays right but you get more yeah and that's like to me that sounds like that should be illegal i guess it's not it's so fucked up. So stupid. But like, we're looking at another year to year and a half, I think, where like no one's going to be on tour. That's the only way people really have to make money is streaming. And there's no money to be made there either. There's just like, every year, you know, I think since we've been born, it, it's become harder and harder for a musician to make money. And I don't think that's, it's. I don't think it's going to get any easier. So I look at writing and... It's not like that's an easy world either. Like, it's the same as music. There's way more people writing stuff than there are people to read it. But I feel like, especially as we get into our 30s, we have a better shot in that world. Here's my thing. Especially me, because I'm from an alternate dimension. I have a gimmick. A book audience would eat that shit up. Instead of yeah. like the author photo, it's the picture of me in a spacesuit. Like, It'd be yeah, like you're uh, Snicket Part Two. You're yeah, exactly. You're really living off that um, that fortune you made on your music career in the alternative dimension because uh, the money doesn't transfer. They took all the founding fathers' pictures off the money because um, they were slave owners, and I can't use any of that money. Huh. Uh, well, Harriet Tubman's on the one dollar bill. What am I gonna do? I don't with know that? how you got a job here, or how you're paying your rent, because like there's no way you're going to pass a background Look, check when it comes up alternative dimension. Have I told you about, have I told you what I'm doing about what? So what I've been doing, I'll whisper. Only fans. So you started an only can hear this. <laughs> no, I mean, it might come to that. We'll see what I've been doing is. So I met you in North Carolina when you had that layover, but as you know, I've been like, in the Chicago area, Michigan area, I've been traveling along the Great Lakes and there's all these vacation houses that all these rich people have. But no one's going on vacation right now because of COVID or people are going on less vacations. So I've just been squatting at these like vacation mansions that aren't being used. And I guess I'll continue to do that until COVID's over. I don't know what I'll do after that. That explains the the headlines. They've They've got a... There's a bounty out for someone named the Sump Pump Bandit. And apparently there's this guy going around pooping in other people's vacation homes. And he, but the, you know, 
If he, he doesn't know how to, clearly he doesn't know how to empty the sump pump. Hey, look, this is a fictional podcast. No, may, you know, the police can't implicate me on this. Uh, nothing I just said was true. Yeah, the fuck the police anyway. Wink, wink. If you're, if you're police wink, and you're wink. listening to this podcast, fuck you. But thanks for listening anyway. Um, let's what see. What were we talking so, about though before that? Oh, we were talking about writing. So here's hey, the so, thing. So what if we make this like a... Hold on. What if we make this like a 2021 project here? Hold what if on. me and you both try to write? <laughs> I'm, I'm jazzed up about this. I got some <laughs> sparkling water. I'm, I'm feeling good. It's a Friday night. Your hands shaking. What with if the we both water? try? <laughs> I can't even <laughs> hold the microphone. What if in 2021, me and you both try to write like a handful of short stories or a short novella? And we compile it together. We do like a split book, like 40 pages each. And we could get a really cheaply bound book, like almost like a zine. And, you know, maybe we sell 20 copies. Maybe we sell 100. Maybe we sell, you know, whatever. But what if we make that like a 2021 project? I already got ideas for that. I already got an do idea. Do a little like cause... split book, like a little short. You know, we keep the finished project under 100 pages long. Each of us have... get 30 to 50 pages. I have a theme idea for a for a book like that where there's two authors and I think that for one thing I've got a lot of like illustrations that I want to include at least in my portion that I've like got a lot of these drawings that I can just scan and have somebody edit up for me and then put them like edit up like sort of like put them into like a book for like a book form but I sort of have this idea for this fictitious cultural icon that's like sort of your guide through all these stories uh but i don't want to talk about it on the podcast but we don't have to necessarily yeah, don't do say that, i was gonna say wait till after we're, no wait till after we're done not, recording for any listeners i already hear you guys scurrying scurrying for your pens <laughs> my idea for this is like you know it'd be like a split like a split record yeah what if each of us only printed on one side of the paper like not double-sided yeah so then you could flip the book over and read it a different way and the other person's was on the other side yeah so it's just like a yeah. split record where you flip it over you flip the book yeah. over and read it the other way that'd be really cool yeah, it, so like it two would different be fonts. like um yeah you could do you could do two different fonts or like print it on different uh, color paper no i guess that'd be too expensive but you could do two different fonts that's a good idea and then it, you could even make it like if you didn't want to flip over the book, you could make like the back is like a manga page. So you read it like a manga. And then in the mm. middle, it switches back to the other writer and you go back to reading. Uh, what is it like left to so right? So both books would end in the middle or both like portions. Yeah. It's That's a good, good idea. idea. We'll, we'll talk about this more off air. But I think it's really just about like compiling the material and the great thing is, is that if you're self-publishing your shit, no one has to fucking tell you what to edit. You can just put out what you like. And you were telling me about this, but you were reading all those uh, early Murakami books, and you're like, these aren't that good compared and compared to his mm -hmm. like more like pivotal like big work, like you know Norwegian Wood and Kafka on the Shore. Um, and what is it like IQ 84? I don't know. You're a bigger fan than me. I've only read Kafka on the shore, which I liked. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, 
I'm just I'm not I'm just not tethered to the idea of perfection anymore. And that was my whole thing with Gabriel Haas. Like I was just like, fuck it. Like put I put like one song out for uh, what every week for like seven or eight months, and then I put out a like an EP after that, and another EP like a couple months after that one. So, I, and a lot of it wasn't some of it wasn't even done. And I would just be like, okay, well, this is, I, I like this. I'm just going to like, I, I, I just, I think that it's better to just like try and do something and not like get tied up in the perfection of it. Cause you're not writing Ulysses or, you know, any insert, like what, what's that, uh, that Marcel Proust book, Swan's Way or something like that. Uh, oh yeah. It's like insert, insert any like major work you know, like, uh, the lighthouse or whatever by, um, Virginia Wolf, like anything like that. Like, you know, I have realized though, like, especially trying to, um, make this solo music. I don't think you're this way as much as me, but like, I need an editor. I, I work way better in a band than I do on my own because like, I have so many ideas and I don't know which ones are good. And I need someone to tell me like, okay, cut all this shit, focus on this stuff. So like if we did this project, ideally you would help me edit it or someone would. Like I need an editor. I need someone to just be like, leave all that stuff. It's not good. This is the good part. Because like I just have too many ideas. I need someone to like whittle it down for me. And that's the other thing is like I'm, I'm and being in a band the- helps Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, Being in a band off. helps with music because you have like three other people to be like, okay, well, those out of those three riffs, let's work on this one. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing is I don't like if somebody were to tell me like, hey, you should like lose this section, I'd be like, okay, can the story or the poem or whatever function without this paragraph or stanza or this like three pages? And if it can, then I have no problem cutting it. But, uh, the other thing is, is that when I was in a band, I worked better with the bandmates because I didn't get so tied up in like trying to make everything perfect. Like, you know, I'd like just play a riff and they'd be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, and then we just fucking go from there. I work better in a band too. Yeah, like, I try not to hold... I try not to hold anything sacred when it comes to that. Like, like you said, if I wrote a riff, I try not to like fall in love with it because I don't know if it's good. I need other people to tell me if it's good. So that way I won't be like upset if we don't use it. I think that's a really healthy way to be. And uh, like, I need somebody to rein it in for me too. Uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I was making on my own, like I, I wasn't trying, like I wasn't doing like singer songwriter stuff and that's the kind of stuff where I need help. But my style was very like, you know, I was just like experimenting with a lot of different styles and instruments and I was trying to do sampling and, uh, you know, vocoder and, you know, experimenting with how to do like auto tune and stuff like that. So I really wasn't very, you know, I, I didn't need someone to rein me in for that stuff. Cause a lot of those songs I made 
you know, they don't span longer than a minute sometimes. So I know what you mean though. Sometimes yeah, and the same thing like band. As well as with music, like your writing style is more um unconventional than mine. So like you know, I, I'm I'm usually the kind of writer where like I'm just trying to tell maybe I have weird elements, but like I'm trying to tell a story using a pretty conventional structure. Yeah. So like I would need editing more than you because you're usually taking some bigger swings and trying to do some weirder stuff than I am. Yeah. And I think that might be a good way to play off our different styles is we can kind of put two things together that might not necessarily work, but they might end up playing together incredibly well. So yeah, I don't know. This listeners, this this is the number one writing podcast in America right now. That's what it's going to turn into. This is the uh, podcast equivalent of Stephen King's on writing. Yeah, and and um, you know my my friend uh, James Rooney was hating on Stephen King the other day. He was like, "Fuck Stephen King," and I was just like, "You know what? If you want to hate on Stephen King, I get it, but." On writing is one of the best books ever, and it completely encapsulates the feeling of writing because all writers want. I think something that's a little bit of a them. pretentious. I think it's a little pretentious to say "fuck Stephen King." I think we're both really well-read people, and we're both Stephen King fans. Well, I mean, he's a pretentious guy. Like, and if he's listening to this and he hears it, he can, you know, hit me up. I'll, we'll talk about it, but. I, uh, that's his prerogative and I don't, I don't agree with him, but I think if you want to dislike Stephen King, that's fucking, you can, you can go ahead and do that as much as you want. I mean, if you don't like him, that's whatever. I don't, nobody's going to like everybody, but to say fuck Stephen King, he's clearly a good writer. Like, I don't think he's like some artless hack that is just like selling books to the masses. I mean, uh, I think that I've read most of it. I think I read like 900 pages of it when I was younger. So I'm going to count it. Sorry if somebody wants to be a hater. Uh, I've read Pet Cemetery. I've read Misery. Um, I've read that different season. I think it's called Different Seasons or something. I always get the name wrong, but it's got um, the Shawshank Redemption story in it. Um, I've read on writing. I've seen a lot of the movie adaptations. I, I know that he hates Stephen King hates the shining, but I think that's one of the best movies ever made. And a lot of the ideas in the movie came from his book. So you kind of got to give him credit there, even if he hates how Kubrick did it, you know? Um, and yeah, I agree. I think it is pretentious. I mean, I've also read some books. I've also read some books and I've also seen some movies. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think it's pretentious to shit on Stephen King because honestly, like, I love how that guy writes. It's fun. And we don't need to be, we don't need to read like a fucking Richard Brodigan or, you know, a dry ass, like modernist novel all the time or something. Like, I'm not always in the mood for Don DeLillo or Virginia Woolf or, you know, some fucking book about, you know, 
heavy shit. Like sometimes you just want to read a book about like somebody getting their limbs cut off by a crazy woman who, yeah, you know, just isn't like, imagine like coming up with a book idea where a writer who's like a proxy for you is in, is imprisoned by this crazy woman who just maims and beats him and like forces him to write a story that he ends up like being like, Oh my God, this is like one of the best things I've ever written. And then it's like this whole metaphor for how like, you know, I think there could be the argument where it's like the tortured artist is like more successful or like, you know, the best stuff comes out of pain. And I don't think that's a healthy thing. I think like there's a lot of great writers out there who are pretty normal people and maybe they had a couple bad things happen to them or they didn't have anything bad happen to them at all. And they're, they just happen to be really talented and they've really practiced their craft. And that's a cool thing about writing is I think that there's a lot of people out there like who are, who didn't go to school. You know, I have an English degree and there's a lot of people out there who didn't ever get a degree. They might've, they may not have even finished high school or something. Not that any of those flag posts of success really matter. And they're writing like phenomenal books and creating literature that, I mean, the guys that, are in Japan, like working on manga, a lot of those guys, that's just like their job, like their whole life. They've just dedicated to drawing cartoons. And some of those cartoons go down as like one of the, like some of the most pivotal work ever. But um, I will say we don't really have a name for this. It might be a separate media entity. It'll probably just be part of the Jubilee street family, but we thought you all might. um, Yeah, we'll put it on the feed like to, you know, listen to us kind of jabber on because we usually talk for an hour before we even start recording the podcast and then we might talk a little bit after that. So there's sometimes some little nuggets. And, and you know, if both of us end if up being If it's not your like, thing, don't feel... It, it, yeah, I mean, if it's not your thing, turn it off and just go straight to Jubilee Street. And um, But if you need, if you just want some background noise and you want to hear some guys talking about, you know, the artist life, then check it out. And uh, a couple little tags I'll put in there is a couple things I'm like reading right now. Uh, So I mentioned Big Sur by Jack Kerouac. If you're a fan of the beat style, it might be your thing. I'm not crazy about it. I haven't finished it. I think he's got a really hypnotic writing style. If you're into the stream of consciousness, you'll dig it. But a lot of times I think it's just like a drunk asshole, like talking about being a drunk asshole and like just... You know, I'm always really, really mind fucked by how like successful the beat poets were and how well known they are, even though they really just were good at like turning their diaries into books. But that's kind of the whole point of Catcher on the Rye, too. So um, not knocking anyone's success. It's just I've been trying to emulate the style for fun. And it's been really fun. It's been it's been fun to like write like Kerouac. So I've been checking that out. I'm uh, I just picked up this uh, slice of life manga that was recommended to me called Saint Young Men. Looks pretty neat. Looks pretty cool. Um, Jake's showing me some of the pages right now via the internet. I'm, uh, I won't, we can edit out that dead air, but I'm reading the Fooly Cooly, Fooly Cooly manga right now. Some cool artwork in here. Uh, I found that it's pretty explicitly just a book about getting a boner. I used to think it was a little bit deeper than that. Uh, but I think it's basically a book that was written for kids who have boners because they like rock and roll. And 
Sounds like big uh, big mouth. And then uh, I watched I watched that Comedy Store documentary. So check that out. It's on Showtime. And then while I have Showtime, I've watched most of that Moonbase Eight show with uh, Tim Heidecker, Fred Armisen, and John C. Riley. I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. They play a bunch of doofuses in a. Well, I won't spoil it for the listeners, but it's a lot of fun. It's a nice little breath of fresh air. There's not there's there's not much, you know, to think about. It's just funny and goofy. And then check out the Office Hours podcast by Tim Heidecker, and that's all I got for you. All right, that'll do it. Thank you everybody for listening. This was chatting with Pops.